This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle. Please get in touch with us on our Facebook page, follow us, like us, whatever it takes. We would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as I know this industry is capable of. Good morning to the listeners and good morning to Doc. Welcome back, Doc. Uh, we chatted last week a little bit about your trip, uh, so we won't unpack that again today, but uh, it certainly was a historic uh, point in time, irrespective of your view on these things. I mean, you saw uh, mm. and were part of an amazing piece of history in, in the couple of weeks you were away. Yeah, absolutely, Gordon. And it's great to be back in studio. You know, as we mentioned last week, you know, irrespective of where you sit on the continuum, uh, certainly being in England at that time was, uh, you know, you got swept up with the moment and, and momentous and that. And, uh, you know, hopefully things are settling down and, and life can continue, not just in England, but certainly, you know, as with our own trials and tribulations in South Africa. You know, let's get our story straight and, and move forward as a, as a country. I love it. I think, you know, I don't think I've ever heard that uh, expression before. Let's get our strawberry straight. I'm going to ask, uh, <laughs> I guess, the Colin Rambasad. Colin, talking about history, you and I have been part of the, this industry for, for so many years, I've, I've kind of lost track of it. But in all your 30-odd years of media wisdom, have you ever heard that expression, get your strawberry no, straight? No. Did no, you no, make it up? I, 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 I didn't think I said that. I think I said, let's get our story straight. Oh, but, uh, story. But, uh, yeah, good enough. But you see, I, I think it was a British no, sort of Well, invented. I mean, that's a Wimbledon thing. You're getting confused now. That's the strawberries Maybe and cream. But you see, it's. I think it's because you're wearing <laughs> that shirt. I mean, Gordon, just what are you doing wearing that fancy, stripy Arsenal shirt there? Well, I'm going to share with our listeners that this, the, the, the pain in the shirt <laughs> here has been exacerbated in, I think, the last seven or eight years, Colin, and yeah, I'm looking probably. at you. Um, regular wind-ups from my dear friend here, uh, who is a, a dyed-in-the-wool Liverpool supporter, mm. and so I just thought it would be appropriate in view of recent re- results. I won't say results because we've only <laughs> yeah. had one. Yeah. Results, yeah. <laughs> in, in recent results, I thought I might just flaunt my, my Arsenal shirt uh, 
here in front of Colin. But Colin, just while we're on the, the topic, it's uh, uh, we normally at the end of the show give our guests uh, an Arsenal T-shirt, but I see in the notes here <laughs> that you've turned yours down. Is, is, <laughs> why, why don't you want this T-shirt? <laughs> I would never. <laughs> There's two things I'd never do, is wear another shirt other than Liverpool, and the second thing I'd never do is the day I die, make sure the hearse is not a Chevrolet. <laughs> Yo, you're not buying into what ice I'm cream? I'm not buying into that. Hilton Braflas and Sunny Skies and Chevrolet. So no, you, you, no, 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 no Chevrolet for me, please. Oh, there's a long story there, I sense. The, but coming yeah. back to long stories, Colin, yeah. it's great. Colin yeah, Rappersat is the business unit manager of Media Shop, and I think he's just recognized by everyone in the industry as one of the pillars of the Media Shop. And... Sticking with the sports analogy, Doc, you know, if you if you make the grade in, in sport, you know, you're often referred to just by one name. So it's Messi or Ronaldo yeah. or Rafa. Yeah. There's only one Colin. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody calls him Colin Rampersad. He's just Colin. Uh, yeah. So there's only one Colin. Welcome, Colin. There's, no, thank you, Gordon. And thanks, Doc, for inviting me over to have a chat to you today. And yeah, I've been called many things. I mean, like Colin, Col, Collie. Um, Chris Rainford, funny enough, coined the term Collie Wally. <laughs> After lunch, when she had a few drinks, she used to scream at the top of her voice, and I knew that was my cue. Yeah, I think, I, I think you know, I, I can sort of uh, resonate with that. I think uh, you've never been cucked on in your life till you've been cucked on by Chris Rainford or Bob Wrightford. It was a different league of, of eight cuck. Absolutely. So, it was proper. It was proper, yeah. You went away disciplined and uh, and uh, re reviewing your whole status. Your, and, and collie, your, your collie tail your between collie your tail legs. Between your legs, exactly. <laughs> Well, I've lost track in all of this, but where you know where your media career started. When did it start? How did you get into media? Because a lot of our young listeners out there are keen to know how people got into media in the first mm. place. Take us back on the journey. Yeah, for me, it all started, um, you know, 1983, um, when I sort of, what is it that I need to do mm. um, now that I'm on the straight and narrow and... I need to get a job and I need to get a career for myself. And um, the one thing that was always a massive passion of mine, amongst other things, is cinema. Mm. And, um, you know, I've always been a cinema person. I mean, I was almost born in the cinema. I think when my mother left the cinema house, I was born. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a Monday, it was actually, funny enough, an Easter Monday yeah. at 8 o'clock at, at night. So, And I think that's where my love affair for cinema started. And um, I started looking at, at various options, and one of the options I came across was Stair Kinnacle, mm. and said, oh, maybe I should get into the distribution business and start a career in cinema. And I ended up, funny enough, at Cinemark. Mm. Um, oh, wow, you know, okay, I'd, doing, I'd lost that piece of the puzzle. Yeah, doing, um, doing cinema plans and just getting into the whole vibe of, mm. of cinema at, at that very early age, and for me that, when my love affair with advertising started, really, um, because then I got into the agencies, working with media planners, media directors, mm. and all of that, and that's where it all really started for me. And, yeah. and um, you know, eventually I said I needed to move, and I needed to make my career now in advertising rather than in cinema. And um, the next move for my sins, and I'm glad I did it was to go and work for Chris Rainford 
you know. Yeah, no, she was a hard taskmaster, but you, you upped your game, that's for sure. No, you upped your game. And I mean, Chris, literally, if I was sitting and, and working like this, she'd stand behind me and look, and if I did something wrong, I'd get a slap on the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There and then, that's not how you do it, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, it's the way we learned. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and it went on from there, and, and, and I guess I was fortunate enough in my time to work with the likes of a Chris Rainford, a Chris Eyre, mm. Rodney Chalmers, you know, Ilana mm. de Swart. Mm. Um, you know, it, it just, Gordon Patterson as well, it just brought my knowledge and expanded my way of thinking with, mm. with different media directors. Mm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, just to come back to, to, to cinema, you know, I mean, going back to 1983, just for context, I mean, cinema was a huge media platform in those days because yeah. we'd only started with commercial TV in, I think, 1980. Yeah. Um, so we were limited in those days, Doc, believe it or not, to 12 spots. Yeah. And then you had a whole submission, which was uh, your ad spend, <coughs> market share, and there was a thing called Factor X. So you got yes, 12 yeah. spots plus another five or six. And if you were working on Nissan and you were on Ford or whatever the case may be, and Ford got an extra seven spots and Nissan only got an extra six, six yeah. you were in big trouble. You had to explain where the difference came from. And that was, we were told, the time was Factor X. Yeah. Mm. And after 20 odd years of probing, we managed to discover that Factor X was not, in fact, an algorithm or anything magical. It was at the discretion of the SABC. Yeah. So they, you know, there was lots of lunching and lots yeah, of tunardering yeah. going on yeah. to get those few extra spots. But cinema was huge in those days. That was where you had those great commercials played out. Yeah, and, yeah, and I mean, if you just go back to the cigarette industry as an example, yeah. you know, with yeah. Benson and Hedges <clears throat> and Peter Stiles yeah, and, sure. and those lavish um, backgrounds and sceneries yeah, and yeah, yeah. Mauritius and the Maldives and whenever they felt like shooting and that's where they would go. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think that's where the, the medium really, really grew. Mm. But in those early days as well, let's not forget that it was still very much, you had two media types in cinema. The one was for the white sector mm. of the audience and the other was for the black sector. It was never a cinemas were yes. not mixed at that stage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that only came in in about 85, 86 when you could go to any cinema you wanted to. Mm. So it was always those choices that, mm. that we also yeah. had yeah. to make. That's right, growing up in Durban there was a very, very distinct uh, cinema which was also yeah, uh, the, the Bollywood. It wasn't called Bollywood yeah, in those was, days but there, there was, was a the couple of... And, uh, that's right. They were all down there, Victoria Street, Correct. Gray Street, Correct. in those areas, Liberty and, yeah. and all of that. And independently owned as I recall. They were all yeah. independently owned. Yeah. I mean the, 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 the non-white cinemas as they were called in those yeah. days were all independently yeah. owned. I mean Stay Kinnico and New Metro owned none yeah. of them. Yeah. You know. Quite remarkable, really, in, in retrospect, to think about that. So, you, from that media owner background, you, you came into the agency I environment? came into the agency environment, and when I got there and I started looking at saying, what is it that I want to do? And um, I said, I need to get myself in as a media planner and then as a media strategist. And ultimately, my goal in media was to become a media director. Mm. And I said to myself, what is it that you really want to do? And I said, well, I want to sit at the media director circle table. Yeah. And that's the goal I set yeah, myself yeah. for, you know. And I said, <coughs> I want to be part of that exclusive club. Because it yeah, was. It and, was. And it was, apart from just the exclusivity of it, it was a really a powerful group of people. Mm, you know, yeah. it was like a, 
You know, we had yeah. some clout in those days. No, they did have clout. And, and the, it, you know, I was also sort of a younger uh, media director back in those days. And going to sit at the MDC table was, was a big deal. And um, you were monitored. You, know, so you remember Roger Garlick? Yes, I did. They made the rules there, you know. So there were, let's say, it was a monthly meeting. And if you missed two meetings, mm. you were out. You were, and you had to reapply for your membership. Lovely. And if you missed one meeting without apologizing in advance, yeah. you, you were out and you had to reapply for yeah, membership. Yeah. So Roger Garlick ran a tight ship. And I think as a consequence of that as well, we all upped our game mm, and realized it was disciplined and there was a, it was a professional forum. Um, and it was treated that way yeah, by Roger and some of the other heavy hitters back in the day. And it, and it was well respected. And I mean, yeah. I remember when I was promoted to media director. And the first thing I did was I phoned Janet Watermeyer. She was a secretary, and I said, no, you can't just join this club. You're mad. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've got to send me an application with a motivation in yeah. terms of mm. why you should be sitting mm. here yeah. with us. Yeah. And I'm like, I spent two nights yeah. <laughs> writing this motivation to Janet, <clears throat> and I gave it to her eventually, and she said, the next day, okay, you've been accepted. And, I mean, that was the best thing that could have yeah. happened to me. Yeah. But, you know, in, in, in all of that, what, what it did also to the MDC at the time, it was almost, how can I say, it was a sense check for the industry. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was a good sense check for the industry to make sure media owners were behaving, mm. you know, clients were behaving. And I think we had that mm. um, at that specific time. I don't know now what it's called or if it's still in existence. Mm. But, um, and the other thing that it, that it also did is, I mean, as I sat there on that MDC, I had decision-making power, and if I said something, my agency that I represented was bound by it. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah. absolutely. Know, they, they, they would take that, that because Colin said yeah. that, we are bound by that. Yeah. You know, and, and I think those sorts of things mm. were important, and, and I think they still are these days, but I don't know. No, but I, I, you, you've, right touched, you've touched a point which I think is, is really important, not to say that the people who go to the AMF, which is the sort of successor to the MDC advertising media forum are not you know decision makers but to get a decision made at the AMF and push through past your board and your your, your CFO and whatever these days if there's a monetary implication is a nightmare I mean those decisions were were important but it was two co two sides of that coin as well you're right it was to monitor media owner research and just general interface with the industry but there was also an MDC code of practice, mm. which was an internal mm. standard, which we all had. And I've still got a copy of that. Um, and I would love to see us um, revisiting that MDC code of practice um, and, and just see how we can unpack it. Because some of the practices um, in the procurement of media have become highly questionable over the years. Yeah. And I think even just rewriting it for, for the purposes of today's business yep. world, you know, and... and and it's, it's something that should be looked at. Yeah, yeah. I think the interesting point there, Gordon, obviously I'm not familiar from, from a media side. I was always on the client side. But I think just listening to both of you chat about that principle of rarity and scarcity to get in. So when you're in, 
you feel not only are you in, but then second to that is you've got very, very high standards. And I think, you know, so often these days, a lot of what happened yesterday is irrelevant for tomorrow. And I think that is incorrect from what I'm, from what, what you're saying now, the goodness of fit of that particular body mm. and the seriousness and the mandate that each person brought in. If you could replicate that for today's business, Colin, as you say, but take the goodness of yesterday. And I think one of those lessons is not everything that happened yesterday is absolutely irrelevant and absolutely useless it's to take the good parts of yesterday discarding a lot of the history certainly of South Africa that was not good but we're not talking about that now we're talking about an industry body uh, and, and its function and then replicating that and as you say today Gordon different sets of governance different rules we've spoken about the rise and continued rise of procurement the power of procurement in, yep. in making decisions good or bad but it's about making it better taking yesterday's lessons and making tomorrow better from that yeah. And, you know, the rise of procurement is important. Um, and we, we've talked about Project Spring before, the World Federation mm. of Advertisers' yeah. review of the interface between marketing and procurement. And both disciplines recognize the need to coexist. And both disciplines now recognize the need to shift procurement values to outcomes, mm. you know, not just pricing yeah. a, against mm. exposure. Mm. So let, let's bring it back to that media space, Colin. Over the years, I mean, we started off, you know, I was also in agencies at the same time in, in, in the early 80s, in late 70s, early 80s. It, life was very simple. We had a lot of time to sort of make decisions about whether you were going to go in the Star or, or the Pretoria News and what page. And I mean, we had time. Yeah. So other than time, I mean, what are some of the big changes that, that have stuck with you then and now? What, what are the new tricks that you've had to learn to, to survive? Yeah, I think, Gordon, you know, for me... The big changes is coming in terms of our foundations of our strategies. You know, and I, like previously before we had these four boxes that we worked with. You know, there was reach, frequency, yeah. impact, timing. And for the marketers, you had price, product, place, and promotion. And we all fitted in, into these boxes quite mm. comfortably. But that has changed, mm. you know. The media world has changed and the foundation now needs, needs, needs to be strengthened. Mm. Um, and I think that's for me where strategy has 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 played a big bigger role in terms of defining what that should be, and what the foundation should be. Like, what are those factors that are influencing our strategies? Yeah. What are those foundations that we need to put in place to be able to have good objectives and and create great mm. strategy? Mm. And that for me is 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 where things have changed a little bit. And these days. What we find, though, is that, um, you know, there's a lot more science in media mm. to the point that science is dictating strategy. Mm. And we have lost the art and the craft of strategy as a whole mm. in terms of saying this is how strategy should be written mm. because your art and your craft ultimately should, or, you know, should r rule and should lead. And your science is what actually proves yeah, yeah. what it is you're right. Yeah. And these days it's like, here's my brief, let me plug it into my tool yeah. and mm. whatever spits out and, you know, and that dictates what my strategy yeah. is going to look mm. like and that's the design of it. And I think for me that has been part of the biggest changes that has occurred in terms of, of that strategic approach that mm. we take. And I think that's why at a media shop, I mean, it's like the other way around where that art in the craft still rules mm. and mm. the science comes in afterwards. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that, that's interesting because you're mirroring something which uh, I've just been reading about. Uh, the Walk uh, World Advertising Research Council, I think, the, is the acronym yeah. for uh, for Walk. Walk um, yeah. Produce on an annual basis the future of strategy report, and I've just had a look at the 22 yeah. report. And in in answer to the question, you know, where do you see yourself, you know, going in the next year or you know, or the coming years as a strategist? Mm. There's almost a universal sort of reinforcement that the new uh, kind of narrative is going and the phrase that's that's resonating in my mind is moving upstream to create downstream solutions 49 percent of the respondent base said they are you know the big challenge and the big opportunities to go further upstream and another 25 percent you know agree but you know not with the same level mm-hmm. of passion so three out of four strategists around the world are saying colin exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. go upstream first to create your downstream solution yeah absolutely yeah. and and i think that's that's the way it is it's like you first you're building your house and then your walls mm, yeah. and there's no foundation yeah. it's going to fall apart mm, mm. you know it's a recipe for disaster mm. and i think that's the message for for wannabe strategists and wannabe planners mm. in terms of saying you know how do i strengthen my foundation first mm. get to know my category yeah. get to know my product get to know my competitors the exploration phase in strategy is the most important, I think. Mm. You know, what are those factors that are going to influence what it is I'm trying to do? Yeah. Uh, exploration phase. Doc, I mean, did you encourage <coughs> your your agency partners over the years to sort of play around first, you know, before you, they came back with a firm, <laughs> this is the answer to your brief? Did you try and foster that sort yeah, of play-pin no, th- mentality? Yeah, I don't think we always used the phrase experimentation or mm. exploration, but I think, you know, we, and, and ironically, Media Shop was our, our, our partner. Um, we, we worked closely with them to hopefully understand the business. And I think that's not the first time we've spoken about it on the show, you know, as opposed to just buying numbers or spots or, yes, or something that mm. a computer program will spit we'll out spit if you just out, put yeah. the inputs in. It's about really understanding us. And I used to have weekly meetings uh, on a Thursday with media, with creative, mm. uh, with client service together in one room, mm. Gordon, mm. so that everybody had sight of it. And, you know, the interesting part is, you know, through the years, I guess we had different people and we had a lady, we won't mention her name, not relevant she'd come out of coca-cola and she found it very strange that we had weekly meetings and she's saying but we'll just do this on a quarterly basis mm-hmm. and i said but you know we're not coca-cola and i want to i want to be able to play with the clay yeah. on a weekly but i know it's frustrating for you and i know you've got to change your form i know but you've got to be with us in this thing it's not me giving you a budget saying produce a set of numbers and so um yeah, it was about that, Gordon. You know, I was less worried about how they did the stuff back in, the tools that, you know, Chris and the team and the guys used. That wasn't relevant. But I, I needed to have the sense of comfort that when they came back to me, it was part of the discussion mm. of last week. Correct. We weren't having a totally new discussion. Absolutely. It was a continuation. And then everybody could pick up on the conversation. And sometimes it would change dramatically from week to week. But, you know, yeah. that was just the, the, the fluid nature and agility. And I don't think we even use those terms. You know, we just called it being in touch with business I suppose yeah. was, was probably the yeah. most practical way of looking at it so th- that phrase you used there I mean earlier on you had your Wimbledon phrase get your strawberries <laughs> and your, uh, that, that play with the clay is this a French open sort of <laughs> play with the clay yeah, yeah. yeah. but it was it's a, you know and I think it we is. understand it's about it's about allowing that the teams to be malleable with mm. something where we were chasing the market you know what I mean we weren't the market leader and even if you were the market leader it's a good it's a good attribute to have in you, the hunger 
to to look for things differently and to to be different. Whereas we forced ourselves to do that and to do things slightly yeah. differently. And you know, by no means did we always get it right, but we certainly didn't try to have a go each yeah. time that we we had that interaction. Yeah. I think you know on the on the getting it right aspect of it. If you foster a, a climate uh, of not punishing people for getting it wrong, then then playing with the clay becomes an option. I'll never forget, um, you know, back in the days that when we were at Saatchi's, we got a small slice of Toyota business with, with Brian Pretorius as, as the, the head honcho. And uh, we had pitched, we won it, and we were so excited because we got a little sliver of it. And I think they're up in the allocation mm-hmm. phase again yeah. now vis-a-vis yeah. uh, FCB. But... We couldn't get it right. For the first three weeks, we were so excited and so determined to get it right that we screwed up time again. So two or three weeks later, we get called to Brunt's office. We get sat down, and I'm thinking, this is like a world record. We've broken a 26-year-old kind of uh, ring fence on this business and lost it in the space of three weeks. And I've never forgotten forgotten what he says. So right, guys, I know you can do the job. You're getting so wound up in the fact that you think I'm going to penalize you for getting it wrong. Go away, relax, do your work, and we'll work on this thing together. And the moment he took the the foot off the throat, so to speak, yeah, yeah. or the knee off the throat, we relaxed and we got and the work done. Point, yeah. It was just a, a master stroke in, in marketing leadership mm. is, is to, to allow people to play with the clay. Yeah. Call to you. I mean, are we playing with the right clay? I mean, you know, so many young planners will reel off stats for me from Western Europe and North America. But if you ask them what's going on in India or Brazil, there's no No, answer. I mean, are we playing with the right clay? You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Uh, I think we we use the Western um, European nations as a, as a background or, or as a sense check for ourselves, mm. because that's what we know. And um, we haven't been exposed as much as what we should be to the likes of, uh, of India and Brazil. And I mean, I was just looking at some of the numbers the other day. India is actually the fastest growing advertising market in the world. Mm. Um, it's growing ahead of America. The fact that America is still growing, it's, it's, mm. it is still growing, but it is <coughs> one of the fastest growing. But what is also dictating that growth is video and gaming mm. is what we see. Uh, yeah. You know, the mm. likes of your TikTok and your Insta yeah. Reels mm. and and um, and gaming itself. Mm. I mean, I was taken aback to one day where there's this program and I, and I actually downloaded it to have a look called Twitch, yeah. where you can actually sit and watch other people play games. Yeah. Mm. Okay, yeah. well, I'm, I'm yeah. actually losing the will to live. Yeah. <laughs> uh, please, carry on, call it, sorry. Well, I mean, that's... <laughs> Download yeah. Twitch on your phone and spend yeah. like 20 minutes. All it is, is you're watching other people play games. But yeah. coming back to that is that that's what's taking the world by storm at the moment. It's not just in India and in Brazil, but around the world in terms of where we are, are, mm. are moving with, um, with, with media. Mm. Is that it's video will still dictate. And gaming is now becoming one of the, um, yeah. the next big things in there. And, and I think the learning for us from, from India, and I know when we we talk a little bit about the whole Bollywood influence and mm. all of that is in terms of how do we actually get full color production? How do we actually make something out of mm. it mm. in terms of our own content creation? Mm. That whole Twitch thing sounds 
it's a bit sad to me in a way. Yeah. It, it occurs to me that it's, it's, it's probably the same formula that's used for for Pornhub. You know, you 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 have to actually watch other people having a good time and say this is my substitute <laughs> rather a, than actually having a good time yourself. Everything is going so well. Gordon, it's a family show. I mean, <laughs> you have to put a PG big sign on this now. But yeah. I think, Colin, you make the point though, and and Twitch is is one platform and it's a massive platform. And and I'm by no means a gamer, but certainly. <laughs> sorry, understanding that rise and continued rise of gaming. And I mean, one of the things, I mean, we started talking a little bit about football and, and Arsenal, Liverpool, the rest of it. I mean, the World Cup's around the corner, we know that. And I was on the, um, on the site the other day and you look at their recent, their being FIFA's recent alignment is with Roblox, the big gaming company with uh, over 200 million users playing games. And that's the reality, you know, because, right. you know, we're living in both of those worlds, the dual world, you know, of the real, the real, as you say earlier, the real Messi and Ronaldo and the guys playing football. But the kid or the youngster or for that matter, the adult sitting with the dual screen doing something yeah. very similar yeah. and high graphics fast downloads oh, right. across the world multifunctional multiplayer it's all of that stuff so the two worlds are, are one world now you know yeah. you look at you look at that big change and it's not just as you say um you know, in the football world, but across multiple platforms. And Bollywood is such a rich mm. content production platform anyway, as for, as for mm. you know, the, on the greater scale, India. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's, it's a passion. I know we, we yeah, share on Facebook, is. Bollywood is yeah. something, and even I'm now beginning to, with the, you know, through Netflix, realize, I mean, we've just finished watching series one of Delhi Crime. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Fascinating. It's like an American crime model. You know, there's the police team, the good guys, and the right. into fighting kind of thing but but the cultural sort of nuance puts a whole new dimension into that that crime viewing no it does and and i think where um bollywood has got it right and where we haven't got it right here in in this country is that they've got investment mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. you know there's there's the corporate companies are, are out there now yeah and they they're investing into content mm -hmm. is the mm -hmm. one thing the second thing that we don't have here as well is is that the big studios are investing in there. Yeah. You know, Paramount yeah. is big in there, Viacom is in there, mm -hmm. Warner Brothers, Universal, and they're all starting to realize that they need to produce um, Bollywood content. Yeah. And even finding the South Korean market yeah. or the Chinese market, yeah. the big studios are going there. But yeah. that's the one thing we haven't managed to attract. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just now last month, Paramount um, remade Forrest Gump. Oh, really? In Hindi. In Hindi? Yeah. Say run forest, run in <laughs> Hindi, please. Well, then, come on, I need to know. This is, this no, is important. It was, it was called Lal Chadda Singh. And so Netflix, you can watch it. It's, it's, they've released it on Netflix a couple of weeks ago okay. as well now. But it's, it's just them taking their content yes. and Indianizing it for, yeah. for a different market yeah. and just sort of seeing how best... Can we actually just um, internationalize our content, I guess? But even, you know, just talking about content uh, and, and Indian investment, you look at the IPL and, yes. and its success, but now you look at the local version in South Africa that's coming in Jan. Yeah. Gordon, I mean, I'm sure you've mm. seen that, that the SA20, all those teams were brought up by IPL pa uh, yeah, buyers, you know what I mean, owners. Mm. So every single team has got an IPL South African name, if you like. Yeah. So again, but it's, it's about cricket, but it's about content creation from the game 
into a huge market, not just India, but the subcontinent mm. market, and across all the cricket-playing nations because of the power, uh, historical power of IPL and its draw card. So very interesting, and, an, and, a, and a, a, quite a refreshing move on Cricket South Africa's behalf, Gordon, you know, because I think in the past they've made some some really poor decisions. Mm. You know, it's the third time they're trying to get they're the local thing. The they have to get it right. But at least this time, independent, foreign-backed money, Dollar-based mm. and professional people. You know what yeah. I mean. The best people must coach, manage, manage invest. And invest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I guess, and that's what the that's what the audience wants. Yeah. You know, and you get the fans back in the in into the stadiums. And I mean, I was seeing a stat um, not so long ago that in twenty um, by twenty seventeen there was like an average of thirty three thousand people watching a Stormers live game, and that dropped to like fifteen thousand in. Two years later, that's yeah. pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it's how do we actually start bringing that, and, and the fans will come. Yeah, if they know it's 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 about the entertainment, it's mm. about the sport, mm. and it's value for money. Yeah, mm. because the one thing we 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 do well in South Africa is that we've got mm. entertainment centres, but we don't have centres of entertainment. You know, okay. where you can actually go with a family and, and just go be outdoors. For a well, while. Um, that, that's a good point. I mean, yeah. you know, I've just taken my family in Durban to the uh, the Argentinian test. And, uh, I, I, you know, if you ask me to give Kings Park, my old alma mater, I mean, I grew up there. I went to go and see my first mm. game of rugby ever with my father, you know, so I, I really have a vested interest. I played there for, for years um, in, in the stadium. Uh, if I had to give them a score out of 10 for, as a family event, um, maybe a two or a three. Mm. I mean, they've got the little family area, yeah. but beyond that, yeah. there's no control mm. over alcohol consumption, just no. general lightish behavior. And I, it, for me, it backfired heavily taking mm. uh, my, my grandchildren there. It really, really, I was embarrassed um, by the general lack of cohesion, the seating arrangements. Mm. It was it was chaos. Uh, I, I was appalled by, by, by Kings Park. Uh, and you know, and and I'm really disappointed because, as I say, for me this was the big thing. I was mm. taking my grandson, and my granddaughter to their first test matches, and mm. there was no attention to detail for entertainment, adult entertainment, oh. beers, all that yeah. kind of stuff, mm. plenty. But plenty. other than the little not, kiddies not zone, family. not for the family. And I think that this is where the um, the new T20 format in South Africa yeah. can get it right. Mm. You know, when they, yeah. they, they've, yeah. they've got the experience, they know what happened in the World Cup, mm. they know what happened in, in, in the IPL, and they can create yeah. that experience. Yeah. And, and cricket grounds have always had this. I mean, you know, you had the bank at the Wanderers, yeah. which was the kids' area, and Durban there was a kids' area. So Even Super Sport Park. You know, yeah. So plenty of that. So, I mean, we just need to revisit. I think it's really important. Yeah, let's say to you, though, Gordon, because I, I, mean, I haven't been – uh, to a game at Kings Park for a while. But, I mean, you know, Ed could see, and we had Ed on from yeah. the Sharks. I mean, he's one of the more forward-thinking CEOs. Yeah. So the point we're making is if at Kings Park on match day they can't work out, you need a non-alcohol. This is not a brand-new concept. Trust me, this is not the yeah. first time anyone's thought of this, no, exactly. you know, is to have a family stand or a family zone. Uh, I think at Sevens the guys do it HSBC quite successfully. HSBC Sevens, absolutely. You, I don't want beer to be spilled on me I, I don't like Within that and I, and there are many people yeah. like me so it's a normal segmentation model it's understanding your audience saying what do people want at various stages of their lives some people are beer 
tent people. Yeah. Some people are family stand people, etc. And so it is quite sad that one of the better run franchises has done it so badly. Yeah. So mm. again, so, but you're right. The sevens. I mean, I've been to Hong Kong sevens. That mm. is the world's biggest party, and I would recommend to anybody <laughs> who loves the game go to Hong Kong. It's the it is outstanding. But there's a clear demarcation. The North Stand is where the crazy people are. Yeah. Mm. There's a family zone. And wherever you fit in, there was a safe space for you or a crazy mm. space. And it worked. Oh, yeah. It really mm. worked. Yeah. Talking about crazy space, Colin, I mean, I think you've developed a reputation over all these 40-odd years, you know, um, of being the calm man of media. <laughs> I'm saying I'm, I, I know you're as passionate about the whole thing as I am. <laughs> Uh, but general consensus would be that you're the undisputed champion of well-reasoned decision making. So, how, yeah, which I've abandoned. I've given up reason a long time ago. How, how do you manage to check that balance? <laughs> no, but it's serious, Colin. I, I, and I don't say it lightly. I mean, I know you're passionate, and I've seen the fire in your eyes. Mm. But you know, somehow you always manage to make reasoned decisions. How have you managed to keep that sort of balance? I think, Gordon. You know, for me, it's being calm is something that just comes naturally, I guess. Um, and if the day I start panicking, then you know you need to <laughs> run away. Um, but I think it's it it boils down to just who I am, in the sense that you know my passions really are my friends, my family, and my religion. Yeah. And I think my religion has also played a big role in giving me that that calm sense in terms of saying. You know, when to just take a deep breath and just keep mm. things going. Yeah. And then whereas when I'm watching Liverpool play, I mean, the blood pressure's up, you know. Especially, uh, Especially let's talk a little bit about last week's game. <laughs> so right with you, Colin. But, uh, Might have to I wait another eight years before I talk about a Liverpool game but, again. But I think it's, it's, it's that. It's being able to internalize a lot. Yes. And being able to just um, work, with your, work, with, work with your breeding and work with what it is you you wanting mm. to do, and that's what helped me remain calm. I mean, I just don't know any other way. <laughs> I'm afraid, you know, but but to be calm. I tried eating boxes of Smarties for a while and put on thirty kilograms. <laughs> uh, it worked. I was very calm, but I was thirty kilograms overweight. Yeah. You know, so. I think, and, and and the one thing I've also learned is that just never, you know, make decisions if you are angry yeah. or if you're not. Mm -hmm in a right frame of mind but i think the calmness in you should come from within yeah and i think uh, you know the calmness should also come from knowing what you're doing yeah you know you only so, panic when you're put in a circumstance where you're not entirely yeah, sure what true. to do so yeah, for yeah. eight years arsenal were put in that situation against liverpool we got the ball in front of the goal and we didn't know what the hell to do with it yeah. but fortunately we managed to work it out so everyone's a bit more relaxed but, yeah. but i think you know, it's it's one of the points you've made, and we have, and I know you're passionate, uh, Gordon. Is about it's about skills based and about yeah, education. Yeah. You know, sometimes when you're not competent, time is not your friend because you will get found out. The longer you're in the thing, the more the stress builds up because you don't know. And I've certainly seen that through my career. That you know, in the beginning, <clears throat> you can you can have a flash here and a flash there, and you can kind of get away with it. But it's about Colin, you were talking earlier about the foundational work, you know, at getting the foundation right. Gordon, skills, you've yeah. been so outspoken about skills. Dev, is it right? Uh, do people know? Does the client side know enough about media to have a two-way conversation yeah. as opposed to a dictation? You know what I mean? Can the 
media side had they got the confidence and the skills to have a dialogue yeah. as opposed to just taking instruction yeah. and then sticking it into some yeah. sort of machine yeah. and taking comfort out of the algorithm as yes. opposed to taking comfort out of the algorithm and you the strategy you know what yeah. I mean so yeah. so it's it's all of that stuff you know it's yes. about mixing it all up uh, as as yeah. younger people coming through the industry learning from yesterday improving on it and not just using your tool as a crutch Absolutely. but using strategy with yeah. the tool Absolutely, yeah. and I think that was a, a strong <coughs> theme which emerged from our podcast last week with, with Sadika. Um, yeah. She talked about brilliant basics, mm. and she really expanded that, that thought. You know, you've yeah, got yeah. to do the brilliant basics. Correct. And the, and the more compact and the more well-reasoned your brilliant basics are, the more freedom you create yeah. for yourself to you know, sort of play with the clay. Yeah, absolutely. And then you can also have some strawberries off. And then you can, <laughs> align, you can get your strawberries uh, lined up as well. But I think, yeah, it's... it's, it's Again, I, I say this again. If you a uh, media strategist want to be planner or me, just make sure that foundation is right. Yeah. Yeah. Before yeah. you start putting up your walls and your roof, you know, yeah. strengthen that foundation. Understand what it is you mm. want to do. And coming back to your point, making sure that by knowing all of that, you immediately the calmness sets in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think it's, it's getting to know your subject matter, getting mm. to know your client, yeah. getting to know their brands. Yeah. 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 I think that point's so valuable as well, yeah. is getting the excitement and knowledge of the brands you're working on. Yes. You know, they're not just names that appear on a, on a spreadsheet or a tool. They're actually exactly. companies that have people and they make things and they do things and sometimes they do them well and sometimes they don't. But it's about understanding and getting closer that media isn't just something that's a mechanical function down yep. the road. In fact, it's not, not that at all. It's very integral to the whole process and hence, and I mean, certainly, and I'm not saying we always got to try it, but one of the pieces of logic we used is bring all the guys in the room up front mm. that everybody feels that part everybody, of the discussion yeah. and that you don't come in later and feel well yeah. you know the fact that I'm speaking later and we'd often sometimes change the order of speaking around on purpose and you know, I go back to the early days of digital where it was still very much a Cinderella and mm. they would speak later when everyone was tired yeah, in the room and people did, and you'd start with your lead yeah. media those days yeah. it was still television, was television. Yeah. we'd start with yeah. TV radio you know what I mean print fell off at that stage cinema fell off and then somewhere along the line we get to digital and we change it and yeah. say, now hold on a second, if you guys are saying that we're digital first and it's easy to roll to the tongue because you read it in some mm. book somewhere, yeah, yeah. why don't we just start with digital and then yeah, suddenly the dynamics change yeah. and I mean we've seen it, I mean we've all seen how the ratios change and continue and even as recently as this week Gordon I was chatting to somebody who's an in-house uh, media person now at, at one of the big confectionery companies globally and she was talking about how they changing but obviously not at global standards and they had a person uh, phone in from, from one of the global head offices the other day to, and and actually asked, is your digital number right? That's quite low. And this lady said, no, it's right, but growing, but it's not the North American yes. uh, UK number. We know that, yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah. it's yeah. all of that stuff. No, I no, think, I mean, uh, yeah. Colin? No, no, I was just going to add on to that and say digital, we've been talking about order and things. Digital is no longer the extra 50,000 rand you have left yeah, in yeah, the budget. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's it's now almost like radio gets that extra 50,000 yeah, yes, rand, you know, yeah, whereas, yeah. 
Whereas digital gets the yeah. extra 500. I mean, we were talking, yeah, like literally, Gordon, I think we may have spoken about it on the show, but certainly for Rose Barrett, uh, he's the CMO of Discovery once, mm. the, over 50% of their spend in the Discovery group is digital. You know what I mean? Over Sunlum, 50% is, mm. uh, you know, and, and, and everyone's growing to that extent. So we've all seen that. It's and not 50,000. Yeah, it's now half. Yeah. It's 50%. We're seeing that globally. I mean, in the UK and the US, we're... Digital is now the biggest media of course, type. Yeah. You know, but it's it's an interesting development um, because a lot of the thinking, as you say, has changed. It's not just you know sort of digital first and you know where it used to be lost. It's more in the in in what I've increasingly referring to as, as the fusion zone. And I think part of the problem that media planners uh, are manifesting is this continued sort of viewership of the consumer journey as as a linear one. You start here and then you go in a straight line and it ends there. Then we can decide, you know, how much you put it's along the line. It's not that. And more and more, you've got, if you're a planner, you have to look at it from a circular thought process yeah. perspective. Try, take your model, if it's in a linear journey, and put it into like concentric circles. Yeah. That introduces a, a different dynamic because with a concentric or set of concentric circles, it's it's more difficult to determine where you begin and end because yeah. they flow into each other, and I think that's what I'm encouraging people to do. But I'm very conscious of of, of time today as well. So, Colin, it's been wonderful um, chatting to you, and, and as always, it's it's so great to to wear an Arsenal shirt on the podcast. <laughs> no, but one last question: What's next for Colin? I mean, you you like myself, you've you've walked an incredibly long yeah, journey. You've, you've in inverted commas seen it all. Are you up for the next wave? And what, do you, what is the next wave? I think the next wave for me, Gordon, is, is how do I give back? Um, you know, it's, it's not, there's no further ambition yep. in terms of where I want to, I, I think I'm doing what, I'm, what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a good support structure for the media shop. Um, but how do I give back? What is it yep. that we need to do from a training point of view, what is it that we need to do to motivate um, our strategists and our planners a little more yeah. to be able to want to stay in in, 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 in in strategy and in media? Yeah. Because often you find, I come into media, but I want to go into digital, I want to only do digital. Mm. And it doesn't work that yeah. way. You know, you need to understand the entire um, the, the, the entire space and how do we do that and, and I think for me one of the things is I always say is that if I'm willing to learn I must be willing to teach yep. mm. to be able to make sure that I give something back and I yep. think if you ask me what's next then that's the something yep. that, is, that is next for me is how do we give back well I, I don't think I can end on a more positive note than that because I, I think that's the challenge we need you know amongst the sort of Old God to uh, mm. to to the Mac Charter, you know, don't rule us out of the the transformation you know, sort of proposition because we've got a lot to give and we want to give. Yeah. Um, so, in the starting point, should be retain the skills, transfer the skills. Let's all have a go at this transformation thing together. So, Colin, thanks thanks for joining us. It was really really great um, going thanks back on that journey with yeah. you. 
Um, and to the listeners, thanks for joining us. And Doc, I must say, it really is, and I normally take the mickey out of you at this point in the show, <laughs> but it's good to have you back. I've been staring at that chair, uh, wondering how, you know, how you've been doing all this time. So it's, it's really lucky to have you back. Yeah, it's great to be back, uh, Gordon. Thanks, and, and thanks for those kind words. Gordon, thanks for your time. And, uh, you know, as we always say to our, our, our listeners out there, it's not about just a great 30, 35, 40 minutes or whatever. Yes, Colin, offering to give back his services. So, you know, engage with us, engage with Colin, be part of the conversation and take that stuff yeah. in the positive way and intent and use it in the, as it's intended from Colin. Colin, from my side, thanks very much. Yeah, so our listeners, we'll uh, catch you next yeah, week. indeed. And just quickly, you know, you, you're talking about giving back. I mean, just disqualify here, lest we get Sean Clark banging on the door. <laughs> We're not giving away media media shop uh, time. Colin's giving away his his insights and his, his time. So you can relax, Sean. You can just uh, take it easy. We're not going we're not billing out hours without you know without charge so to listeners great to have you thanks for listening let's keep talking ciao for now thank you and so there was another episode of the doc and the guru please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on facebook like us follow us uh subscribe to the podcast and then from my side you can get a hold of me on linkedin dr doug matthias i'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond and hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.